0: hello and welcome to scarves around the funnel the podcast dedicated to heart of midlothian football club last week was thanksgiving in the usa but over in scotland it was far from a feast of football at Tynecastle on saturday afternoon craig levine's football and pilgrimage took him back to his roots saints counted their blessings that var only reviews fouls in the box on a sunday Lawrence Shanklin was thankful and apologetic in front of goal. And our lovable Aussie almost knocked the stuffing out of a devious Costa Rican. Joining me to dissect it all, it's the cranberry sauce to my turkey. Mark Donaldson, how are you?
1: I'm fine, I'm fine, thank you. Um, I would love to say that Hart's performance against St. Johnston was tasty, but um, it was adequate. It, It was adequate. Three points is all that matters, but... Is it really, though, are we at a stage whereby it's just about getting three points? Or are we at a stage where our head coach is now contradicting some of the stuff that he said when he got the job a few months ago? I'll take the win. The performance, apart from the first 15 minutes, left a little bit to be desired. Indeed.
0: We are also joined by our mashed potatoes, solid, reliable. Even if they don't always get the limelight sometimes... Ryan McGowan, how are you?
2: <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm very well. Three points is is always welcome, and I get a little wave from the pitch as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was uh, hoping that I'd scored and got to wave to you, but wasn't to be.
0: <laughs> Maybe next time. Also, of course, our meal would not be complete without Scott McIntosh, the gravy to our November feast. He joined us last, but wouldn't be complete without him. How are you?
3: Yeah, very well, Laurie. Thanks for having me on.
0: No, nothing, nothing to come back with this week. No,
3: yeah, you've got me thinking of food. I can't actually switch on. Just You're now, hungry so. now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I am Laurie Dunsire. I'm Delighted to be joined by my favourite trio for this week's scarves around the funnel. But they still what make cast... trios? The biscuits? They were good. Uh, I don't think so. It was at the advert? It was like,
1: Trio, 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 trio. I, I want, want a trio, trio and I want one want now. One now. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think not so. Not one, not two. No, they don't.
0: Oh, there was another verse, was there?
1: Well, it was a continuation of Did the it, I, song. I mean, the advert was more than 10 seconds long. I
0: mean, I, I don't know. I was a child. 10 seconds was quite a long for a child's attention span. By that point, I was eating one. Um, oh. Anyway, that's pretty quick for our standards to get off. On a um, tangent. confectionary tangent <laughs> <laughs> This week We will of course talk about Hart and Midlothian against St Johnston And we have uh, One of the players from the game with us, Ryan We'll get his take on things Maybe one incident in particular um, <laughs> Before Before we get to that I thought it worth mentioning The Scottish Cup draw Because it's almost getting repetitive Isn't it, Mark? another Scottish <laughs> Cup draw, and another Edinburgh Derby.
1: Yeah, the Spartans. Sounds Please, glorious, man. doesn't it? It, it? it sounds like it's something from the... It should be played in a colosseum many hundreds of years ago.
3: <laughs> let's,
1: let's cut to the chase, right? Let's not beat around the bush. Will that be the first appearance for hearts since he broke his leg for Craig Gordon. And the reason I bring that up right away is that you're not going to change a goalkeeper after a clean sheet, Xander Clark. But the comments that were made by Stephen Naismith about Craig Gordon and also about Craig Halkett, uh, this was, I think, November the 14th, I understand taking... No chances with Craig Halkett because he has been injured a couple of times, come back and then got injured again. But the goalkeeper in any team, it doesn't have to run all the way around, but if the goalkeeper thinks that he's fit and available for selection, then if that is his first appearance for Hearts since breaking his leg, but he has been available or selection prior to that, that's, that's that. you can read whatever you want into that. That's what I will say. But right now, that game in, in January, um, the likelihood is that might be the game that Craig Gordon comes back in. Now, if Hearts have a poor December and it's a case of, oh, the goalkeepers cost us or whatever, Xander Clark, and I hope he doesn't, I hope he gets clean sheets throughout because you ain't going to drop a goalkeeper who keeps getting clean sheets. But... If Hearts don't have the best December, I would suggest that there is another goalkeeper ready, willing, and able to play for Hearts again. If, Sorry, your question was about Spartans, I know, but uh, there was no, my no, opportunity. No, I don't it's,
0: mind you going there. I mean, um, say Lawrence Shanklin gets injured just now and he's out for a few months. And, yep. no, don't, um, don't, don't. I don't know, obviously, I hope he, hope he
1: doesn't. But Are you, are you, going, are you going to do the captaincy, Thing here. No,
0: no, not necessarily, Captain. Say, but if he gets injured, and in, say, I don't know, we put Vargas up there starting um, Ryan McGowan's favorite player, and <laughs> he, <laughs> and he does okay. You know, he's doing solid, gets a few goals, um, so he's doing fine, and he's playing the lone striker role. Shanklin comes back, he's fit, he's ready. What are
1: you doing? Well, Shanklin comes back because he's our best striker. Because he's because he's our best striker. Who's our, our best, best goalkeeper? goalkeeper. Our best goalkeeper right now is not playing. Now, exactly.
0: so that's that's what that's what I, that's that's the kind of long winded way of me getting to the point where I, I get it. It's you know, obviously you don't want to rush someone back after a long term injury, but um, I mean the the Spartans game. The or do I say the the Spartans game the the Spartans game um, <laughs> is is what there's like eight matches or something before yeah. that, and so, it's
1: on plastic. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I mean the thing with the goalkeeper is what you. What you're gonna get if he's if he's 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 back in training fully now, so he's not gonna get any. It's surely his situation, his condition is not gonna be any different. He needs games, and he's gonna have yes. to get a game at some point. You can't, you don't chuck a goalkeeper on with 15 minutes to go. It's not like a nope. you know ease a player back in or give him a half here, 20 minutes there or whatever. He needs to you either start him or you're not playing him. So I, I I think there's I can see arguments both ways just now because Xander Clark, you know has been fine but I don't think I would say on the whole he's he's still got some question marks over certain things so if we get beat by Kilmarnock next game and he has a poor game which he did um, not too long ago at Rugby Park then I think questions will start to be asked and then if we play Rangers and he makes an error in that game then I I think it's like anything I mean I don't think you can just keep him in for the sake of it because you've got the best keeper um, in the country waiting in the wings. So I'd, you know, take away captaincy, whatever, out about it, Craig Gordon is our best goalkeeper. So if he's back in and he's back training, I think he has to be given the opportunity when it comes up. I don't know how you feel about it, Scott.
3: It's a bit of a difficult one. I, I suppose if you're going to bring him back for a, a cup game and a match where, you know, we're hopefully, you would imagine or assume that we're George, not going George to be under say the that. Cush, The ghost then, of Barora. Yeah, well, you, you would think that that might be a an ideal game to give him, but because it's the the pitch there, is at the Spartans, then you do have to question whether that's conducive to bringing either him or Craig Alcott back into the fold. Uh, it, it, it depends ultimately what Craig Gordon we're, we're, we're going to get, doesn't it? I mean, you know, he's, He's he's been Superman on two or three occasions already in his career in terms of coming back from you know long term injuries and coming back to some really good form, but it it, it is going to be a it is going to take a bit of time for him. Uh, and I think what we do have to consider is that on an individual basis, Craig Gordon is a, a far better keeper than Xander Clark. Okay, I, I don't think that can be argued by anyone, but sometimes. You get more out of collective than what you do, a group of individuals. And just now, as a collective, we are defending okay as a team. You know, we've got, I think, I think Xander Clark's got the second most shout-outs in the league. I think somebody was saying. Uh, and, and last season, prior was, to yeah. Craig's injury, Hartshard one clean sheet in that run up. So, and that's not just down to Craig, that's, you know, down to the way we were defending set plays and a few other things. But, I don't think it, it is that simple. I think we need to see how our form is going to be over the next few weeks and then maybe evaluate then. Uh, I hope he comes back to, to being close to, to what he has been in the past and I hope he can be on that plane going over to Germany for the Euros. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what we do with Craig Gordon. I think with Halkett it's a bit different. I think we 100% need Craig Halkett back in our team. Uh, not not just from a defensive point of view, but also maybe highlighting something that I might do later on in the show when we come to talk about last Saturday's game. We definitely need Halkett back in that, that mid uh, that defensive three, but with Gordon, I think we don't need to rush him back. I think we're fine where we are just now on the whole.
2: i
0: was just trying to work out uh, where Ryan McGowan was when um, the... The legendary Ronnie Swan Trophy was played at Ainsley Park in September 2012. A 4-4 draw. Hearts won on penalties. I was at that game. Um, but Dylan was playing, but Ryan wasn't there. Now, I looked and Australia were playing Lebanon. And I wondered if Ryan McGowan was maybe part of that international squad. And missed yeah, out I think on I the was. delights of Ainsley Park.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was... Uh... In
0: Lebanon, I think we had a game. I think we <laughs> lost from Pelton to in Lebanon.
2: Place. Yeah, <laughs> basically the same place, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure I was uh, away on international duty, so missed that one.
0: But do you not think, like, like, Ryan, from your point of view, I, I, from a plain point of view, now as a fan, I would like this to be played at Ainsley Park. I, I think Spartans, these Spartans, will want it to be at. Ainsley Park as well and not at Easter Road which I've seen some people suggesting Um, would you not quite like to go to the the game on a a wee ground like that a different place if we take maybe the plain surface out of it I know your legs are a bit older and it's a plastic pitch
2: yeah I think so I think the players would prefer to play there Um, I think like Hearts fans would probably prefer to go there but it kind of comes down to the money if the club thinks that they can get a lot more money from moving it somewhere else then that might be sort of the path that they want to go down but I think they should always try and play it at their home ground and and just pack it out and make it a real sort of cup atmosphere and um, it would definitely be a much better atmosphere with maybe only a couple of thousand in there than say moving it to Easter Road and maybe only getting 10-12 thousand there so I think from a playing point of view I think a lot of the the Hearts players have probably already played there I'm pretty sure they played them in a behind closed doors game Yeah, a couple of months ago
0: We've played a couple of times recently there, actually. We played 2021 and 2022.
2: Like the Moor
3: scored his only heart score. I think it's Spartans, did they not? Nah, that not that's, that he I I, it? that's no counting, though. He's not getting that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he'll count it.
0: <laughs> Probably would. It's a good draw, though, Mark, isn't it? This is what I like this is what I want in the Scottish Cup not just from a hearts perspective but I think it's great for you know you saw the Bucky Thistle reactions Mm -hmm. Uh, that was doing the rounds on social media when they got drawn away to Celtic you know that's great for them they'll earn even if it's a very sparse crowd by Celtic standards they'll earn you know a good six-figure return from that their players will get to play against some of the best players in the country and you know for the Spartans they're they're playing against Hearts in a competitive game for the first time, an all Edinburgh clash. Um, I, I, this is what it's about, isn't it? I, you know, 100%. I know Edinburgh derby draws are good, but I think it's good to get something like this a bit different.
1: It is, it is, because for for a while it was um it was the same teams that we play every other week. It was it was Premiership teams that we were being drawn against. So so to have something like this just the build up, I always love the build up. Um, to these kind of weeks as a journalist or a broadcaster, looking for stories from the opposition, yeah. like the day job, the postman, or whatever. I remember spending a day with Bonnerig Rose, um, prior to one of their Scottish Cup ties, and had the historian done a feature on Sky Sports News. Had the historian getting the pictures out of Sean Connery playing for for Bonnerig and everything like that. It was absolutely brilliant. So, I mean, look, this isn't a non-league side. This is this is a decent. Decent enough side that had a good win in the last round. But it'll yeah. mean a lot to them. And they will I would imagine they'll want to, to keep the game at home. I don't think they'll make much more from going elsewhere after the rent of whatever stadium that they would look at is taken into account. You mentioned Bucky Thistle. You've got to feel for Broxbourne Athletic as well because they were only a minute or so away from that same draw. So they'll be gutted. That's what it's about. Bucky Thistle, um, obviously, we when broader Rangers came out of the hat, prior to Hearts being drawn at... Uh, against the Spartans, oh shit, do we want want them? Look, you just want something a little bit different. When you're in a league where you play the same team four times, it's boring because it's not like down south where it's home and away against that opponent and then happy days. I did Mansfield-Wrexham recently in the FA Cup. They play each other in the league and they're like, oh, it's not the draw that we wanted. They wanted something a little bit different. That's what we've got and I'm looking forward to
0: should be a good one obviously the details of where it's played etc and when will be released in due course and um, my main concern is the fact that i think it's a very good chance it'll be a bbc pick and if it's a bbc pick i can already envisage that they won't be able to have me at the ground and hearts will be playing in pilton and i'll be in a studio in glasgow but hey ho hmm. we'll, we'll wait and see if that happens but let's crack on with the rest of the podcast you're listening to Scarves are in the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and Anna McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Heart of Midlothian against St Johnston, 25th of November. The return of Levine to Tynecastle, fourth against tenth, but two sides in decent league form. Saints unbeaten in three hearts, with two league wins in a row and looking to win a third league win uh, league game in a row for the first time since January 2022 so the best part of 2 years since they had achieved that looking at the team not much surprise. that it was very few changes from the team that won against Motherwell before the international break just the one alteration and that was Callum Newenhoff dropping out and in came George Grant and a similar shape for Hearts, Clark and Goals, Kingsley, Kent and Rolls, keeping their back three spots. Forrest, right side, Cochran left, Beningame, Grant, Lowry in the centre, with Lowry given a bit more license to move forward into the number 10 role, and Lawrence Shanklin, the captain, alongside Liam Boyce in attack. Hearts up against a similar shape in St Johnston, who are missing Nicky Clark. Also, James Brown was out at right wing back, so Dara Costello came in in that position we will get Ryan's thoughts on, from Mr. Johnson perspective shortly, but first up Mark in terms of how Hearts set up and how they started the game it was actually a really positive opening mm-hmm. and you know, first 15-20 minutes, Hearts played very well, good tempo, they were cutting Saints apart, and Alex Cochrane could have scored one of the goals of the season in less than 4 <laughs> minutes
1: yeah, I liked the lineup. Uh, just the, the, That change that you mentioned, Grant coming in, um, Ewan Hoff liked the setup, thought there was attacking um, possibilities there. And yeah, it was, a, it was a good quick start, but we didn't get the goal that, I'm not saying our play deserved, but we would have liked. Then it started to slow down a bit, but the first 15 I thought was really good.
0: Yeah, it was positive in the way Hearts were moving the ball around, getting players forward. You know, especially you know, Cochrane down that left-hand side. Forrest was getting into some decent positions early on. Anyway, uh, what did you make of it at the start of this game, Scott, and how we set up and and sort of got at St Johnston in the tempo we played? It was a bit more like what we were hoping from this season under Stephen Nasmith, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I, I think to be fair to Saint Johnston, I think Saint Johnston made a, a bit of a concerted effort to press a little bit more than that opening fifteen. But the consequence of that, and us being you know so much in the ascendancy and having the bulk of the chances, for that sort of point on, for that fifteen minute mark onwards, I felt that Saint Johnston sort of. Almost retreated and just allowed Frankie Kent to have the the bulk of the ball for what seemed to be the rest of the game, or yeah. at least for the next sort of half an hour. Uh, so yeah, it was a decent opening fifteen, and I don't think I don't think we learned anything new about this Hearts team from Saturday, from those opening fifteen minutes. I think you've seen from the home games against Rosenberg and Hibbs. If we play against a team that come out a little bit and, and maybe don't adopt that low block, then I think we can create chances. But as we'll probably touch on for the rest of the match, as soon as a team decides to maybe retreat a bit more, decide to maybe not press until we've maybe got the ball in their half, that's when the the, the same sort of concerns uh, start to sort of uh, rear their head again. So yeah, decent opening 15, uh, but, but yeah, unfortunately we just, Couldn't quite keep that tempo up after that
0: Before um, We kind of get to the sort of St. Johnston angle And how the the game progressed Mark, we'll have to talk about an incident In the 18th minute Mm -hmm. Uh, Alex Lowry plays the ball in from the left It breaks to Alan Forrest who just touches it away From Luke Robinson, the St. Johnston Defender Who puts his boot in, seems to catch Alan Forrest who goes down Uh, You know you hear the reaction from the crowd and the hearts players. Everyone turns to John Beaton, who's match referee, who's completely unmoved. Kind of in commentary, we're like, right, well, VAR's gonna be onto that very shortly. It was Gavin Duncan who was on VAR, but we don't hear anything. I know there's a slight break in play here because Andy Constantine goes down for yep. St. Johnston. So obviously, you know, VAR would have looked at it, but no review for the referee. Um, no further action to It I was very surprised, I have to say, from first viewing, from second viewing, and, you know, viewing since after the game.
1: It's a penalty. End of. I, watching Hearts TV coverage at half time with Rob and, and Gary Wales, there was a discussion about, oh, it's the way he went down. I shouldn't have anything to do with it. If a play, Even if a player doesn't go down, this is there's this perception in football that it's it's got to be the it's got to be the perfect way to to go down to give yourself more of a chance. Uh, he, he went down. It's a foul. It, sh- it shouldn't matter how he goes down. It shouldn't even matter if he goes down. If that challenge is made and he stays on his feet, it's still a penalty. So I I, I disagreed with with the whole oh it's it he kind of it's the way he went down as if he was trying to con the referee. Bollocks to that! I mean, the way that Vargas went down later in the game was embarrassing, but that's that's a penalty. And when you when they start to add up, I, mean, I don't want to go down the whole route of being paranoid about this, that, and the other thing. But when Boyce gets hit by a, a high boot at Motherwell, it's not given. And then when that happens on Saturday, you're starting to think, "What? Now we got loads of pen. I don't know how many we got last year, but we got we got plenty. We've not had one in the league." I don't think, yeah, this season, but it should have been given, according to, well, I think so, I don't know what Ryan might think.
4: Mm, uh, To be honest, I'll sit on the fence here, I didn't see it at the time,
1: Uh, but
4: (laughs) But Shanklin was like, yeah, he's 100% caught him, it's a penalty, and he's pretty, like, he's a pretty good guy on the pitch, so he would, I was just like, oh, well, here we go, you're going to give it a penalty. And then um, John Beaton was just like no, they've checked it check complete when he was treating. Well, when Andy Konzam was getting treatment, so I was like, oh, maybe maybe it's just like he's not caught him. But having seen it afterwards, he's definitely Robinson's definitely. He's kind of like caught his foot has the top of his foot, hasn't he? Yep. So, so you're saying it's a penalty? Uh, yeah. Well, I've definitely seen him given this year, and I think this is the problem with VAR is that. You've seen loads of them given, and you've probably seen less not given. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what it it comes down to, is that what is, like, Hearts fans have have every right to ask, what is the point in VAR when that is not given, or even the referee given an opportunity to have a look at it?
0: Yeah. I think the big thing, and I don't, you know, for anyone who's ever listened to us on this podcast or ever heard me on commentary, I've certainly... Never like to be biased at all in any decisions, and I certainly don't like buying into conspiracy theories. However, one thing that I think Stephen Smith said recently, Barry Robson's kind of alluded to after the game on Sunday as well, it seems that there's not consistency here in terms of what needs to be reviewed. Now, when Hart's conceded a penalty late on against Rangers, it's a foul by Peter Haring. It is. Okay. Yep, you look at that, you review that, you're giving it, given a, you're going to give a foul, and the same can be said for Aberdeen's penalty that they conceded against Rangers, which is pretty much identical in terms of the foul, the time of the game. My concern, and I said this on the podcast after the Rangers game, I'll accept that as a foul and a penalty, but my concern is, in every game between all teams, are they going to be sending referees to the monitor to review shirt pulls in the box in the 90th minute? And I'm not convinced they are, and. The same goes for that forest one. If that's a different game between different teams, does the referee get sent for a review?
1: Let me that's let me give you a bit, let me give you a bit of a backstory about this. Um, I'm still on the probably not now. Uh, after I tell this story, I'm still on the um, the mailing list for the Scottish FA, and they held a a, a media briefing last week.
0: He oh, doesn't cool. send any emails, does he? <laughs> it
1: comes from the communications department, who are excellent. And it basically said, uh, we're inviting you to uh, Hamden Park to speak to Crawford Allen. That was what subsequently led to um, the story released by the press association saying that the SFA's uh, refereeing department has said that there's only been three, I think it was, three decisions that were wrong out of all the the (laughs) (laughs) interventions. And
0: and, and, and which one game were those three decisions? Honest 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 to
1: goodness. Right? So... Basically, long story short, here that that was the line that came out of it. But it was only the press association that put it out, and everyone else picked it up from there. The press, the press briefing, the broadcast briefing, the media briefing was it, it was it wasn't for broadcast or publication. It was um, it was on the QT. It was it was just like right, we're inviting you here, but we don't want you to report anything. It, it, it made no sense whatsoever. Come along, speak to Crawford, but. It's off the record. And I'm like, what? 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 So obviously the, the the one press association would, would get the line. They put it out. Everyone picks it up from there. But if you're having something like that, why the cloak of secrecy here? I mean, Howard Webb, who was over here with Major League Soccer, went to uh, now in, in England and they've even got the TV thing that they do and the, they release the audio. And they put their hand up immediately when a mistake's made. Look at that chaotic decision at Spurs-Liverpool with Luis Diaz and the, own, and the offside. It's like you get Des Roach on, on here and he's he's always having a go, quite rightly so, at this kind of this cloak-and-dagger nature. If you fuck up, put your hand up and say you have. Don't try and defend it. Don't try and say there's just been three mistakes made this season because we could point to three as heart supporters that have happened in the last three weeks. Yeah, I think
0: we're all in agreement that there's... Um... Plenty of problems still with VAR, and that should have absolutely been a penalty, but somehow no intervention. Um, Ryan, look, looking at your feedback on on the match in terms of how things progressed after that opening 15 minutes, hearts came out, came out the blocks flying almost, played very well, cutting through you. What did St. Johnson do to? counter that and, and how did you kind of get a foothold and why were St. Johnston so effective in the game in terms of your game plan?
4: I think Scott touched on it. I think we got a little bit too excited with our press. So we had worked on during the week was to, we had noticed against Livingston that um, we like to switch it between the back three quickly and get out the other side. So we wanted our two strikers to stand almost on the outside of um, Kingsley and Rolls to to stop that. And I felt like the first 10 minutes, they were a little bit too narrow, which allowed Hearts to get either side of those strikers and break down the left or break down the right. And it probably took, like you said, a good probably 10, 15 minutes for them to actually shut those passing lanes off. So when it did go out to Rolls, he couldn't play Cochran straight away. He maybe had to come into Grant and bounce it out, which it did happen again in the first 10, 15 minutes. But then our midfielders ended up getting up a little bit more. And um, the game plan was kind of like Scott said again, is to to leave Kent on it and, you know, condense the pitch so that when he is passing it into the midfield or passing it into a striker, that we've got bodies around there that only allows Hearts really to go backwards or they can try and force a pass through, which hopefully we can then cut out. So the first 10, 15 minutes, our press was a little bit off. Hearts moved the ball probably quickly, which allowed, which highlighted how off our press was. Um, and also our sort of passing and keeping the ball, we are making so many like little errors, um, which was a little bit unlike us from the previous three weeks in terms of, you know, when we did finally get the ball, we were maybe forcing it down the channel and we weren't getting five or six passes to, to sort of allow us to go that. But, um, yeah, we've kind of weathered that sort of early storm and, and slowly came into it and had a couple of, you know, half decent chances in the first half. And, and then, like you said, it was a, pr- a pretty even match. From then onwards, I I felt, well, from my point of view anyway, I thought it was probably a a pretty fair battle um, in terms of tactical, you know, allowing you to have the ball. But, you know, I I feel like we just lack that little bit of quality in the final third, whereas, you know, hearts have a lot of quality in that sort of midfield and forward areas that can can hurt you.
0: Yeah, Robinson forces save... From Xander Clark in the 24th minute, but the first half was fairly uneventful. We actually, past that kind of penalty incident um for Alan Forrester or non-penalty incident. it's interesting, yeah, You mentioned you mentioned Frankie Kent there again. Um, I saw Joel and Heart Standard, the excellent Heart Standard, incidentally. Go and visit it if you have not yet. Heartstandard.co.uk. He didn't ask me to say that, but it is a great site with lots of information that's very interesting and useful, especially post-match. He mentioned in his little post-game debrief that apparently Frankie Kent had something like 113 touches, most touches in the game, and second behind him was, was Kai Rolls, who had only just more than half of that. He had like 60-odd. Scott, in terms of how Hearts do in these situations, it does feel like it's the problem that we've been dealing with for far longer than... Than just, than just Stephen Naismith and even just Robbie Nielsen, doesn't it, in terms of a team sits off us and lets certain players, especially at the back, have the ball and suddenly we're bereft of inspiration.
3: Yeah, I, f- I think you're spot on. It, it definitely goes uh, you know, back further than at least Stephen Naismith, I would say. Uh, I think it highlights a potential issue with recruitment and, and again, I, I need to I need to stress that this isn't about individuals and the merits of certain individuals. It's about the balance of a squad. And I think when you look at that Hearts squad just now, we've got two glaring issues. I think one is a lack of pace throughout the squad. And I think the second is an issue from a coaching point of view, which is patterns they play we're, were far too one-paced. And, and Ryan touched on it there. The success that we got in that first 15 minutes was probably more born out of St. Johnston just being that half a second off in the press rather than us really playing with any sort of real intent or any sort of increase in tempo compared to previous fixtures. So we've got a couple of issues that we do need to address with that. I think the other big issue we had at the weekend was the theory, I think, was correct from Stephen Naismith. So he's looked at that Livingston fixture where we started with Kami and, and Benny in the midfield. And then Cammie came off at half time for George Grant. And I think that's maybe been playing in the back of his mind a little bit when it's came to making that choice for, for Grant over Neuenhoff on Saturday. But it didn't work. Uh, it, we, at times we almost had four individuals all wanting to sort of make runs across the St Johnston back line. And 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 this is no disrespect to, to Ryan or 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 Gordon or or Andy Considine, but they'll That'll suit them. You know, that it's 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 movement behind them that they won't want, you know. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, Grant, Lowry, Boyce, Shankland, everyone's dropping deep, everyone's trying to, you know, almost play that number ten role, but we've not got anyone coming in from wide areas to try and then sort of stretch the game or make runs in behind. And again, it's it's glaringly obvious that we still haven't replaced Gino, you know, and, and we're now we're now moving into December, so those were the, those were the real sort of major concerns that came up after that fifteen-minute mark, and I think it was, I think it was actually the goal. I think after the fifteen-minute mark, the next shot on target we had was actually the goal in the sixty-minute mark. But if if we know right that we're probably too soft and we don't have enough pace,
1: why are we signing the players that we're signing when Oda is a squad player? He's not a first choice, right? Might be a. a something for the future, it might be a vanity project, whatever it is. Vargas, again, um, starts some, doesn't start others. Is he really what Hearts need ahead of pace or ahead of um, someone that's going to come in and grab the game by the scruff, of, the scruff of the neck? I just think that we've not, it's not just like we now know, shit, we don't have much pace or we don't have leaders or anything like that. And you can talk about Craig Gordon and and others being out, uh, Craig Halkett, and that's been a a huge blow, and Benny for as long as he was, and Liam Boyce as well. But we've known for a good year and a half, two years, where our problems have been. A lack of pace and not really having much of a spine of a team. Yet we've gone a circuitous route to try and find different types of players. I don't think we have addressed the real issue. So whose fault is that?
0: But... Would this potentially come back to the fact that Kiosuke Tagawa has obviously had some injury problems and has maybe not settled or fitted into the team as hoped at this point? Because obviously he's twenty-four. He's a a signing who was playing top league football in Portugal. The last what is he? Is he a striker?
1: Is he a forward? Because his goals from previous. I mean, look. Lauren Shanklin didn't do great in Belgium, but he's still a really good goal scorer, right? Yeah, so but knew I, that and, and I'm him. just but wondering Tagawa's if... never come with a, a kind of, oh, he's going to get you 20 goals. This... What is he? And it, it does he have the pace that oh, we we're hoping that will replace Gino? No one knows. I... Yeah, At this point, I think... we don't. I'm
0: just suggesting is that maybe, was he the one that we were looking to maybe try and use in that position? Because, I mean, Josh Ginelli didn't... Yeah. Hadn't scored many goals, not really. Before he, he came at Hearts, he didn't even, he didn't score many goals even for Hearts until that last sort of six months. He was outstanding, but he was kind of in and out, wasn't he? He Was up and down before he kind of got moved into that position. So I'm just I'm just wondering. I'm not suggesting that Kioski Tago is the answer or um, will be a great player for Hearts. I just wonder if that's that was the person who they were looking to maybe. Fill that void because yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Vargas was maybe looking a little bit further ahead.
3: Yeah, I think again looking at it as as the recruitment as a whole rather than on the individuals, I think one of the bigger issues is that Stephen Naismith looked like he favoured a four in that in that sort of uh, internship sort of period at the end of last season. So I would imagine that when they were scouting potential players, it was probably to potentially suit a. A sort four-two-three-one, or or a four-three-three. Now, through a mixture of injury and possibly certain players losing a bit of form, we've we've kind of changed our system. We we seem quite content with playing with a back three now. I don't know if that will change when when certain players come back or not, but. Given the players that are coming back, I can't see I can't see Craig Halkett and Natty Atkinson coming back and us changing to a four. If anything, I think Halkett will come in centrally. Kent will go right to the free, and then Atkinson will take Forest's place. So I think one of the issues is we look as if we've possibly recruited with one formation in mind, but now we find ourselves wanting to play with a a back three and and be almost quite narrow. In that final third, because we're trying to make something happen now between sort of boys Shanklin and Lowry. So you know, where where the and, and Vargas and Oda fit into that that new way of thinking? They just viewed as impact players to bring on the be- bring off the bench when games are a little bit more stretched. I don't know, but that's something they're going to have to look at for January because just now, you know, apart from Frankie Kent a lot of the players that we signed during the last window haven't really had much of a chance to impress
0: Forrest Hepburn and Macdonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk Lowry, left-hand side feeds Cochrane. First-time ball looks for Boyce get left his shot it. deflected in. The cut back from the left. Liam Boyce with a shot. It took a deflection on its way through and into the back of the net. With some claims from St Johnston. Don't know for a flag possibly, which will be checked. But right now, Hearts celebrate. Liam Boyce looks to have got second of the season. Hearts won St. Johnson 0 as far as we know just now, but St. Johnson certainly with some big claims there. Looking back at the game itself, second half, St. Johnson actually started second half quite well, I thought, and as Ryan said, the game was pretty even, but there was a decisive moment for Hearts just after the hour mark, working the ball from right to left. Alex Cochran, the man who was cutting it back to Liam Boyce, who stroked it towards goal, Clearly took a deflection on its way through, but looked like Liam Boyce had got just a second of the season. Obviously, big celebrations for Hearts. Quite a few claims for offside in the St Johnston ranks, but it would be confirmed as Lawrence Shanklin's goal. And is it one of those? Mark It, it, it just it doesn't matter how it goes in; they all count.
1: Having suggested that Hearts win 1-0 in last week's prediction and that um, McGowan would score the own goal, the tongue was firmly in the cheek and it was mentioned before we moved on to Scott's for his prediction that it would be Shankland and 1-0. So I don't know when the last correct prediction, I know we've all come pretty close, but Finally, we have a correct prediction, and I don't think I don't know if it goes in, Gauzer, I'm not sure what your position was when the Hearts goal was scored. You no, know, was does nowhere. It
4: go- was I? Obviously, <laughs> nowhere to does be it, seen. Th-
1: does it go in without Shanklin's touch? I think,
4: I think it's, it's gone right at it. the. Yeah, I think it's gone right at the keeper. Well, that's mm-hmm. what he said afterwards. Um, you don't really get an angle, but I thought that was probably the first time that Cochrane was super high um, right. in the second half. You know, and when news were touching on it, how how hearts were wanting to play, and the, I felt like the what we kind of had good control on for most part of the game was forcing them, them into the middle areas, and they couldn't get the sort of Forrest and Kingsley higher up the pitch to be able to do those crosses. And probably the first time that they did it in the second half was when they found. I think we lost the ball up and. It, didn't counter on us as such but kind of broke from that and we didn't get back into position quick enough to stop that pass out to Cochran which allowed him to sort of cross in a dangerous area you know we kind of call a dangerous area probably if you go maybe 20 to 25 yards out and down the pitch that's sort of dangerous areas to be conceding crosses from and so that was probably the first time since the opening 10 minutes that they had a sort of dangerous cross that came in and and when you have that and you have so many bodies in the box and you know, that can kind of create good chaos, which is what, you know, us at St. Johnson or what a lot of teams want to do is you want to create chaos in the opposition box and keep them in there because people lose players. Anything can happen. You know, if you have a shot, ricochets off them and goes in. So um, from our point, defensively, we are disappointed to concede that goal. But at the same time, you know, that's what hearts want to do if they want to break down that low block is move it across the pitch quickly, play it in so they can... Get across in first time and not have a sort of set defence that's waiting for crosses or waiting for for those balls out wide and um, yeah Hearts probably didn't do that quick enough um, throughout the game but then also I felt like defensively we were we were pretty on it for for m- the majority of the game.
0: What was the the game plan post goal? Uh, one thing I found quite interesting what you know obviously Hearts fans were getting frustrated at nil nil. You know, lots of fans are like that. Tyne Castle, maybe more than more than most grounds. You know, a lot of groans when the ball was getting passed back the way. Um, but it was interesting because after the goal, obviously there's still a third of the game left, but I actually felt like St Johnston got pushed. Uh, whether it was pushed, there was a, you know, conscious movement. Felix felt like St Johnston actually sat in a little bit more and almost felt like the crowd got more frustrated, even though we got the goal. You know, you kind of, you feel like, The relief will set in People get a bit more relaxed But Tyne Castle just seemed to get more aggravated Because St Johnston were still frustrating us It was still kind of The ball going to Kent Not being able to do much with it Was it a kind of effort Just to kind of still stick in And think right Let's just frustrate them Keep the fans getting nervy Keep the players You know Wondering what's going to happen And then Last 10, 15 we'll, We'll try and kind of Turn the screw a little bit And change the dynamic of the game At that point
4: yeah, I, I think, you know, sort of for, that was never really spoken about what would happen if we, we conceded or, you know, we went one one down or anything like that. But, you know, realistically, you just want to try and stay in the game for as long as possible. So, you know, just after we conceded, it's, it's probably from our point of view, it's a case of let's not concede another one straight away. And before you know it, you may be 2-0 down with like that 30, 25 minutes to go and it the game's almost gone by that stage. Whereas if you can keep it sort of one nil and like you said, the the crowds are still nervy at one nil because it doesn't matter when you score, you then get the, you know, if we were to score in the 85th minute, probably the majority of the fans would be thinking we could lose this one instead of being like, well, we'll go up the other end and score. So I just feel like we're just lacking that little bit in the final third where we can hurt teams and get ourselves up the pitch and, you know create our own pressure and you know, we didn't probably first half when we had those couple of chances That was probably the only times that we kind of pinned Hearts in their opposition box or your box and sort of put you under pressure for you know Maybe a 10-minute spell maybe Um, And then second half we just we just didn't do that we kind of threatened without really threatening we got into some half Areas and it was either you know a poor crossing or the ball was cut out and um, you know that's something that we're going to have to work on if we wanted to score goals especially away from home we've we've yet to score a goal away from home so it could be a little bit of a confidence factor from our side but um, yeah overall we're disappointed because we obviously wanted to just get some type of result but you know at the same time um, you know from our perspective at Saint Johnson, Hearts are still a very very good team with very good players that can hurt you and um you know for us to be in the game and probably come away thinking well, we could have maybe nicked something there is is a small positive that we'll have to take on to Sunday against Celtic at home.
0: Probably one other incident we'll just have to touch on in this game <laughs> mark just this yeah you know, absolute shocking incident later on. Ryan McGowan scythes down viciously scythes down Vargas in the box mm. No action taken It was just uh, a shocking tackle wasn't it
1: Dreadful What are you thinking about Gauzer I mean you could have broken his leg <laughs> I was saying don't <laughs> give a penalty away to
4: Neuenhof Because he kept sneaking in the box And then <laughs> finally got my big legs around it And then luckily i just seen him out the corner of my eye And I was like oh here we go But um, at first My very very initial thing was Oh my god he's given it <laughs> Beaton's given it because he because he kind of like looks and stops and I was like, oh my god, he's gonna give this but um, Probably from Beat I think there, there's a camera view of it It's like perfect angle to see that it was a, a massive dive but Beaton's kind of like facing me so he would have been a little bit more or oh, I'm not sure if he's uh, what's happened there, but Yeah, you know, it's, it's part of the game. Isn't it really these days is to to try and get it Um you're being diplomat you're far. being
1: diplomat there. you I don't, it's I really a, it's don't a like shocker
0: it. I don't like that I really don't like that whether it's a hearts player or someone else you know there's
4: I don't even know like it wasn't as whole... bad as um, what's his face your dive for Rangers
0: oh Cantwell Kent Cantwell
4: <laughs> yeah Cantwell <Kent> <laughs> Jesus I don't like on, it I, the,
0: there was a game there was a game I actually said in commentary and I didn't like it and, and, it, and Jamie Walker actually got the decision but he dived and I don't like seeing that yeah Uh there's uh, you know there's I don't even like the you know exaggerating things sometimes or you know initiating contact that's in I'm still not entirely comfortable with that at times, but I know that's now part of the game, but the the Vargas one was just uh you know it was no, it was it was nowhere near get initiating in contact. It was miles past, so i'm um, I i do not like that one, albeit I did enjoy the um the still images we got of
4: uh an angry Ryan McGowan
1: Wow, very angry.
4: Yeah, I was, I was it was knackered. It, it was in the first half. I might have been a bit more angrier, but I was trying to catch my breath because I just chased Nui for forty yards, trying to tackle him, thinking he's just going to turn back out. It's the first time he's run forward with the ball all game, and he had to do it when he was up against me. But was um, there any sledging? Um, Cami came on too late. To he's the one that normally likes it, a little bit of sledging. Um. And then obviously, Rolls is too—he's too far away, and he just—he was just passing it back to Xander the whole time, so I couldn't get anywhere near him.
0: You got the wheatfield stand aggravated again. Yeah, yeah, yep, that was yep, a good one. That.
4: Stealing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: that was a good one. And I got um, up in section N, got a little bit of um, good abuse there. What um, was the best bit of abuse you got?
0: Someone, someone referred to use the podcast Pierlo on um, oh on Twitter,
1: and I can't that's, remember. That's, can't, that's not I, abuse.
0: I, I know. I just, I just remembered. I can't remember what the context was, but someone was like, um, something about the podcast Pirlo. Was um,
4: it me? I'm talking it? about
0: you. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it might have been me that tweeted it. <laughs> <First Pirlo. laughs> you said that. <laughs> Ryan McGarry. UK, Pirlo, the podcast that was last Pirlo. season. Um, uh, but yeah, no, nah, it's always good. I get a pretty good reception and get a few good shouts. A few people said I aged better. Um, a few people said that they didn't think I could be slower well I was slow in 2012 but fuck me you're slower now <laughs> was one shout <laughs> they a giggle uh, Dylan's a better player that's a good that's a, that's a big favorite Um not as good as your brother there's a few sh- few of those shouts but yeah that's it was brave I, I did, that's I did brave agree him. with you that they're a little bit um, they're a little bit I don't know it's the Hearts fans were—I I couldn't work it out. It was like they were kind of happy that they won, but kind of still pissed off and kind well, of still a bit like they don't I, see did, any like light at the end of the tunnel type thing. You know, you know it uh, felt like it was just a bit of a a matter of time. Like years gone by, people would have just been like, "Oh, that was a good win." it's not going to be one that we're going to talk about for years to come. But big three points, like. Three wins from three, coming up to a tricky period, like just tick it off the list. Whereas that one felt a bit like, ugh, "We're gonna to have to go through that again for you know the following kind of weeks." Which is, do you know an, what I think? An it odd is? kind of feeling.
0: I think it's partly because so last season, I think people think back to the fact that we had this run under Robbie Nielsen where we were getting results, but everyone could see we weren't really actually playing that great. You know, we were getting a bit of luck. Um, or we were kind yeah, of, you know, we were just getting narrow wins, weren't performing that well. And I was very much glass half full kind of thing that, look, this is great. We're not playing that great, but we're getting results. So when things start to click, it'll get even better because we'll actually be playing well. But what actually happened was it was warning signs of what was to come that was actually when the luck runs out or teams start taking their chances or we start missing chances the results are going to be poor and we went on a terrible run and it all fell apart. And I think for me, I I think that's why that's still fresh in everyone's mind that actually there was warning signs that things weren't working and it was kind of, you know, we were, it was some false positives. And I think people are maybe still feeling that just now. I hope it goes the other way this time, that this is actually that we're grinding out some results, but things will really click. But I don't know what you think, Scott. I, that's what I feel is maybe in the back of people's mind that, it was only last season that we had this similar sort of thing. We were told that you know, yeah, it'll be fine, but it wasn't. We actually maybe should have read those warning signs even when we were getting results.
3: Yeah, I think there's maybe a danger of everything becoming a bit of a a self fulfilling prophecy. Like, and and look, we're all guilty of doing it. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not tossing out the blame to any particular section of the hearts support or online or anything like that. I think we've all indulged in it over the last few weeks. But the the narrative around Naismith, I think just about every week we've probably classed every game as a must-win game. I think that when we're getting results just now, we're naturally thinking about the performance because of certain certain statements, bullish statements that were made by certain individuals towards the tail end of last season. And I think Ryan's spot on there, I think there is a feeling just now of we're kind of all just talking about, talking about, and talking about, and before too long, it's going to happen, and he'll be let go. And And I think we're... I'm not saying that we can control much as fans, because we can't. But what I would say to Hearts fans is, our next runny fixtures are all against top six teams in Aberdeen away. I think we need to park how we feel about the long-term aspirations of certain individuals at the club and just focus on supporting the team for the 90 minutes. Uh, It's then up to the board to make sure that Stephen Naismith's supported in January because there's going to be some important decisions being made around potentially players that he doesn't fancy. The Lauren Shanklin question's going to probably come up in terms of whether he's going to be, you know, someone that certain clubs are going to be looking at. So I do think... I'm not saying it's an agenda, but we've all got our opinions on whether Stephen Naismith was the right man a few months ago or not. And sometimes I think that could influence how we we view certain performances and results like the one that just happened on Saturday. And I just think it's it's getting to a stage now where they've won three league games in a row, they've won three of their last four away games. I, I think he's done enough to buy himself this little bit of time. and oh, yeah, probably get and, and, and get, you know, that, that December run, if that makes sense. And the good Look, I think the one positive you can take out of this run that we're about to hit is that we are going to be playing in a lot of fixtures where teams are going to be quite happy to come out and play. And I think that has suited us this season. So it's maybe not a bad thing that we're avoiding home games against Livingston and, and, and that over the, over the next few weeks. It's maybe going to you know play into our hands a little bit. But yeah, that's something I've picked up on the sort of environment and the atmosphere just now at Tynecastle. I do think that even just subconsciously, a lot of us are not fully invested or on board with the initial decision. And I think that can... Influence sometimes the the levels of support or maybe the patience levels that you show uh, during match games. You know, if you think back to that 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 occasion in the second half where Benningby plays the ball back and it's just a you know a chorusy boost for, for all four stands. Uh, That's happening because there's people aren't happy with a lot of things under the surface level just now, uh, beyond the results. And I think just now we just need to focus on supporting the team and then see where we are come sort of January time or or going into that winter break.
1: Ryan, did Craig Levine make reference to the heart support and potentially turning on the team in his pre-match team talk? Yeah, all week. All week he spoke about it.
4: Um... He just said like that, they're they're in a sort of, I can't remember the sort of terminology that he used, but that, you know, if you do start well, which we we obviously listen to him, if you do start well, you can get them onto, you know, the Hearts fans are are quite quick to jump onto the backs of, you know, if they're not playing well or if they they see that they're not doing things that the Hearts fans enjoy. So, you know, that was a thing for us as, was... You know, we had literally spoken about it Friday And pre-match was we want Frankie Kent on the ball with zero options, the ball going back to Xander, us being able to push back and a big chorus of booze. He's like, that's when you'll know that, that you're in a game and we'll see what the Hearts players are all about. If Who's going to... Because I feel like Hearts are, are missing someone that's going to try and play those passes. Mm-hmm. Not like dangerous passes, but passes from like... Callum McGregor is really good at it and obviously he's a top, top player. But he gets the ball... in you know, in this sort of center circle and he will zing a pass in or fire a ball into a striker or into sort of a Lowry or a out wide. And it breaks those lines and gets, you know, moves us if we were playing against us back onto like sort of the 18 yard box. And you end up getting pinned in cause you can't get back out. Whereas hearts are kind of doing that further up the pitch. They maybe like they kind of had us pinned or we had them pinned around the halfway line and, you don't want your team playing around the halfway line. If if Frankie Kent had the ball sort of 40 yards away from our goal and was playing passes in and, and boys were playing passes around and it was getting out to Cocker and it was back out the other side, no one would be booing if you then went back to the halfway line and, and switched it back again. It's when it goes all the way back to the keeper from the halfway line that everybody's a bit like, oh, well, what? like, what's he going to do? He's going to boot it up. Us big three stooges at the back at St. Johnson probably win it and then it's a scrap again. And then it's repeat for the next 90 minutes. And I think that's what sort of fans get frustrated at. And, you know, again, I'm kind of going back. The recruitment, hearts have been dying or have been in desperate need of a a central midfielder that can get the ball off of Frankie Kent, turn, play those passes into Boyce, Lowry. You know, like you said, you've got about. Ten players or ten options that you have in the squad of players that are comfortable in getting the ball between the midfield and the defence, being able to turn and thread and balls through, and it's just if if they don't get the ball up there quick enough from that one or two passes, then teams can get back into their shape and it becomes a a much tougher task to try and break that down. Whereas if you had someone that could do it, um, you know, right at the start, then it makes it much much more easier for them.
0: Ryan, interesting. What you're saying that I wonder. I'm just thinking back. Last season, you came on the podcast. I think it was maybe after the three-two Hearts win, but I think you possibly spoke about something similar in the the three-two win at Tyne Castle as well as McDermott Park. You said, you know, being out there, it was actually it was impressive how quickly Hearts were, you know, moving the ball around, and you you know mm-hmm. you felt the tempo they were playing at. Um, you know, be out the pitch facing it was, you know, was quite high. It was very difficult to play against. So comparing those kind of games, when you said you were impressed, or you, you certainly found it tricky to to try and combat that on the pitch, was it, did you notice a big difference facing this Hearts team? Or yeah, was that
4: possibly down yeah. to it. It was a big difference. I remember the McDermott Park game. I think it yeah, was... Hearts
0: were great in the first half of that game. Yeah,
4: yeah, but I felt like the tempo was much quicker, and they had. Everyone was taking maybe one or two touches and, you know, I can't remember who the midfield... I think it was... Was it Halliday was playing on the left? Cammy in the middle. I think that um, Big Peter was playing. Barry Mackay was playing. They were... They just seemed to be, like, sharper in their movements, sharper in their passing. I think Naismith's a bit more possession-based. He likes to have a lot more control of the ball. He likes when it kind of like gets played up to Shankland. And then if he keeps it and plays it back and they get out the other side, he's quite happy with that. Whereas I felt when we played him at McDermott last year, it was like up to Shankland and he was laying it off and somebody was spinning in behind. And I, yeah, like I said to you, I, think I remember the first 30 minutes of being like, Jesus, this, we, we could get scalped here four or five. No, it was like playing a Celtic or Rangers when they're on it in, in terms of their passing and their moving. Whereas other than outside the first sort of 10 minutes, it was just very, after that, it was almost like everybody was not passing the responsibility on because that's, I know that they're not doing that, but they they just weren't doing what was probably asked of them quick enough. And then they all just got into that lull of like, right, I'm going to go get the ball. So then you had boy Shankland, larry Forrest all gone to feet. And then someone would get it, they'd pass it back. And then Next time they had the ball, they are all run behind. There just wasn't much cohesion be- between them all. And um, Whereas, again, last season at McDermott Park, there seemed to be a lot more structure about it. and they, they all seemed to know exactly where they were moving at the same time. So, yeah, it's just different. We, we were probably a little bit more expansive at McDermott last season, which maybe allowed them to do that. Um, there's so many factors that come into it, but they're sort of having somebody that, in there that can buzz the ball about kind of what Cammy does. And and I obviously have a soft spot for him. But, you know, as much as he's maybe not great on the ball, I I feel like he does up the tempo of people around him. And then obviously Gino as well with a threat in behind. You know, that would, if he was playing at the weekend, you can't be pressing as eagerly as we were when it went into the midfield, knowing that if someone dinks it over the top, Gino's through. So that's probably an issue that they've not um, rectified that we've touched on already. But, you know, having somebody with that little bit of pace that can run in behind just maybe even lowers the back line five or ten yards which you know creates those spaces for the midfielders that hearts have so still
0: still work to do for hearts but a big three points nevertheless on the board thanks to lawrence shanklin slash liam boyce it will be lawrence shanklin's goal in the end that got them the vital victory against the saints at the weekend You're listening to Scarves the End Funnel sponsored by Forest Hepburn and McDonald Signs who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Before we go on this week's quiz. episode of no, yes. we pre- the podcast. No we're not doing a quiz.
1: We're gonna not doing a quiz. You said we were. You I've I've prepared the questions. No. We're not doing a quiz. We're going to wrap up by quickly talking Spend about our No, I'm not talking Art. anymore. We'll right, the Scott.
0: Kilmarnock against Hearts coming up this <laughs> oh, weekend at Rugby Park. Kilmarnock on the back of a nil draw with Ross County and a one 0 defeat to Hibs, um, but at home uh, three wins on the trot against Livingston, Aberdeen, and Motherwell. Hearts will go into this result with of the three wins in the league themselves. Tough game, but a venue that we have emerged victorious at already this season.
3: Yeah. Uh and I, I, I think it's fair to say you'd probably expect another tough match. I think Kilmarnock, a lot of Kilmarnock's strength comes from that core of the team. Uh they've got a lot of really good sort of centre halves so and normally the you know, they've sometimes even set up before centre-halves playing across the back four for them. This season, you've got the likes of Lyons and McGuinness and, and Watson You have, you know, tonnes of energy in the centre of the park and then you've got a good focal point in Vassell up top. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about Hearts. I mean, I would imagine that and Newenhoff or, or Cammy come in for Grant or, or Lowry uh, on Saturday All I would say is if that doesn't happen, I'd be really concerned because there was huge caps. I don't think Benny was offered much protection from the two in front of him, and the, like Ryan was touching on, I think there was a few occasions, particularly over a 30-minute a spell for St. Johnston at the weekend, where they were actually getting the ball in decent spaces in that sort of final third, but it was just that last sort of decision, uh, piece of decision-making that was just sort of failing them a little bit, and I do worry that if we offer that sort of space again on Saturday, that that's where we could get hurt. But I can... I can understand you know, why Naismith will probably change the team. So you might have somebody coming back in centre-mid. Will Sibbitt come in for Forrest? Potentially, that could be something that we, we look at as well. To me, it's got the hallmarks of a 0-0 just now, the way I'm looking at it. Based on how we're playing just now and, and how sort of a tight Kilmarnock can be uh, as a defensive unit, uh, I, can, I just can't see there being a lot of goals
0: but we may only need one goal it's served us well in two of the last three league games mark are you hopeful that we will do what's required again to to get a win
1: question are, are we better than that are we are we better than than kind of just going to Kilmarnock and playing the game that we're probably going to play We're bringing in more defensive players and and settling for a battling performance that might yield a one goal win do we have the players that we can go there and actually put a performance on or have a go? Or are we just right now, I, I totally get everything that's been said today. I just feel that there's, it's not a malaise. It's it's like we're we're there's an undercurrent of we're still one or two defeats away from where it was prior to going on this run. And if, if that's going to be the case as, as long as it goes, where, where does this leave us right now? I mean, we're fourth. Okay, we're two points behind St Miriam. We're on a decent run. And I totally get what, what Scott's saying. There's no point in, in everyone just kind of saying, well, fuck it, let's let's do whatever it, it takes to, to make change. We all need to kind of go in the right direction, but we have to have something that we enjoy watching. And it, it was a tough watch on Saturday after the first 15 minutes. I don't expect this to be a dramatic 3-2 or something like that. I might be surprised. But if we get a point at Kilmarnock, is that a good result? I don't know if it is. I don't know if it is. Because when you see the restructuring of the European competitions next season and the importance of finishing third cannot be underestimated for hearts. So are we more of a preventative side right now? Let's go to Kelly and make sure we don't lose. We're better than that, are we not?
4: I think it would be a really difficult game for Hearts. I think all of Killy's strengths are almost weaknesses for Hearts. I know that's weird saying it because they'd obviously beat them in the cup earlier on in the season, but you know, they are a team that love being physical up front, which I think sometimes Hearts struggle with is that physicality up front. They love getting balls into the box, which Again, Hearts have been better this season at defending them, but they get a huge amounts of balls into the box. You know, Armstrong just gets it out of his feet, whips it in. Kennedy down the other side. So especially with Hearts, with the way they want to play with their fullbacks up high, it becomes like a whoever's playing better on the day. Because if Armstrong's getting the better of, say, Cochrane for example, then Cochrane can't get up. So then all of a sudden he's pinned back. And if Kennedy's getting the better of Forest or whoever plays there at the weekend, then all of a sudden you've got your back five can't get out of their own half, and then yeah, they're just very good at home because of of that kind of on the front foot, get the balls up early and and work off for sale. So I think it'd be a really really tricky game for Hearts and one that you know if they're they're not on it then um, they could struggle. But at the same time, you'd like to think that they're not going to sit in as maybe as much as us and livingston did so that might allow you know hearts have that little bit more movement that passing they can break the lines a little bit quicker so um i have a feeling i'm going to go against mark i think it'll be a few goals in that game at the weekend is my guess
1: i hope so okay
4: don't know who for but i think there'll be a few goals yeah it's
0: been i mean if they obviously lo- lost two hearts in the League Cup game, but you know they've been Rangers at home, they beat Celtic in the League Cup and their last three home games they beat Livy 3-1, Aberdeen 2-0 uh, and Motherwell 1-0 obviously Simir and-, and Kamarnik both went there and-, and only drew so they have struggled um, so his teams have struggled against them at Rugby Park, you know last season they were very good at home um, let's let's call predictions in uh, Scott, start with you what, what do you think, give us a a scoreline and uh, a heart scorer if there is to be one?
3: I'm, I'm going to say nil-nil. Cause oh, well, that's right, easier. <laughs> okay. No, no, like Ryan is spot on though. Like, there is every chance we get pinned back with that back five. And then if you don't play with Vargas or Odor Tagawa, there's, there's not an outbound. So at, at the best, you're then hoping for a nil-nil because you're going to be, you know, they're going to pepper your goals with, with plenty uh, sort of cross ball situations from out wide, so it's it is going to be difficult on Saturday, and nothing that I've seen from last week suggests that you know we've we've got those patterns of play at a, a quick enough pace to be able to combat that and play around that. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I don't, I've nothing more to be wrong, but yeah, I'm going to say no, no.
0: Mark, am I right? Did you mention did did you get a prediction right last time? I always forget what the predictions are. They kind of disappear from my. Did did is that what you said? You got one.
1: Yeah. Did you say one nil in Shankland? I said one nil, McGowan OG and then I said yes. But if it's not that, it'll be Shankland. Um,
0: This is half a point.
1: No, it's not the full point. We we can make two predictions. Oh come on! I was only doing that because don't be that guy. (laughs) Don't be that guy that's like right. We have to wrap up now because I'm going to be busy. Um, I think it'll be 1 1 and Shanklin.
0: Okay, I actually had nil nil in my head, and Scott said it so I, you know, so I kind of jested earlier about it being a nil nil. Um, do you know the sad thing is? That I know Mark, you said, Are we better than that? I would take a nil nil, I would take a draw, would you? Which, yeah, just the way this league is, uh, do you know. I mean, Kilmarnock only three behind us, away from home. Were
1: the games coming up after, Kelly? (laughs) I just... I I mean, we've already lost to Rangers, right? Because why can Aberdeen produce constant performances against Rangers and we can't?
0: This is is a silly thing. I'm going to predict that we won't beat Kilmarnock, but I can guarantee we'll come in next time and I'm going to predict that we'll beat Rangers.
1: Which we'll lose to. We know that's going to happen anyway.
0: So, I, I... I, I did, I'll probably be wrong on both counts, but I was going to say one nil, Kelly and Vassell. If I was being really negative, but then I know I'll get too much stick for that, so I'm just going to go with a nil nil. Ryan, here we go. What do you think? Having played um, against both teams recently,
4: I'm going to go two two. Oh. Desmond. Desmond. Oh. Troll draw. I think Watkins will score. Okay. And I think he'll cause a lot of problems think Watkins, if they're both fit, I'm not sure if they're both fit, but if Watkins and Vassell play, I think they'll cause the back three of Hearts a lot of problems. And I think, I'm going to go my new favourite Hearts player, Fargas. I think he'll score. I think he'll come on and
1: score. <laughs> Your favourite. <laughs> From gonna- a penalty <laughs> after he's brought down?
4: Yeah. <laughs> I think he'll score. And takes off his
0: takes off his top to reveal a t-shirt with that four of you.
4: Yeah, McGown 17 on the back. Sorry.
0: <laughs> uh I'm going to be miserable because I don't want to have the same prediction as Scott. I'm going to say 1-0 for sale. I'm going to go with that one. Fuck it.
1: Wow. You... Yeah,
0: but it it worked. It worked. Did not work before. Oh no, but that... or not, didn't I predict a defeat and we did lose, didn't we? Don't yeah.
1: you dare do that. Well, you're, honestly, you. Do you know what they? Do you know what they do to people like you, traitors? <laughs> unbelievable! I, oh, this last half hour, honestly, right. unbelievable quiz. quiz lineup. All oh, right, Honest, no, we'll do <laughs>
0: I'll do a quiz next time. In, oh, you've
1: in, done so. You've done In
0: so. the meantime, if you want to get in touch and give me dogs abuse, you can do so. You're more than welcome to. You can email podcast at If you want to tweet, you can tweet at around the funnel, or you can tweet me directly if you want as well. Um for being miserable. That's fine. Um uh, it, it happens. Um, thank you to everyone for joining, especially Ryan Magnanimous in defeat. Um, hopefully we will soon have Kenneth Vargas on For a podcast appearance That would be that would be fun yeah, Time to we, make up
1: Probably get him on before we do this bloody quiz
0: <laughs> People listening Have no idea that Mark's prepared a quiz But it's not going to happen this time It's going to happen next time It's going to be great um, Until then, thanks for tuning in Trio,
3: trio
0: I want a trio
3: and I want one now <laughs> Great, we lost
0: Not one, not
3: two, but three it's there's chocolate and biscuit and a
1: choppy taste, too. I'm getting too old for this stuff, man. Trio. Incredibly, terribly tasty.